I'm going to preach today out of Matthew, the 18th chapter uh, and uh, the 18th verse. It's about binding and loosening. And it's a scripture that I want to, I want to teach you on today because it probably in, in some ways, shape, or form maybe has been misinterpreted a little bit. Uh, also, the 18th book of the Bible, Job, the 18th chapter of Job, and the 18th verse of the 18th chapter of the 18th book of the Bible uh, talks about getting rid of darkness. So we have a chance to bind things in our life and then loosen things in our life, and I want to teach you on that, but <clears throat> afterwards, we'll call people up forward, and we'll have a prayer card, and we have a prayer book that we want to give every family, okay, or the fasting card. The fasting card is a menu. Now, if you decide to fast differently, that would be okay with us. We just want you to fast. If you say, I've never fasted before, well, then try a meal or try a day. If you uh, have fasted before, you might want to try the menu. Or if you just don't know how to fast, then follow the menu. Some days we're going to ask you to fast the whole day up until sundown. Some days we'll ask you to stay away from meat. Some days we'll ask you to stay away from meat, sweets, and treats. Some days we'll ask you to stay away from social media. And that may be the hardest for some of you. Because you've got to check that Twitter account. you got to do coffee. I think we have coffee, too, on there. So we'll have to, that would be a treat for some of you, okay? So whatever you think is a treat, that might be. Broccoli's not a treat for anybody, so don't stay away from broccoli. Or salad. So, so we're, we're, we're walking through the prayer and fasting 18 days according to Matthew 18 and 18. We're going to talk about that today. Uh, service this Wednesday night will be downtown. So 6.30 downtown. I know some of you are not accustomed to going to the downtown campus, but uh, I would encourage you to come downtown. Uh, we're going to uh, have a, a service at 6.30, be over around 7.30. You can still get the kids to bed or get ready for work the next day. All three Wednesdays, the next three Wednesdays in January, we're going to have service. So the 11th, the 18th, and the 25th, We'll have service again next Sunday. We'll have Jesse Engel in, and I, I believe you'll enjoy him. So come on out. Be a part. It'll be amazing. So I know people get into their routine. Wednesday's a difficult day when you're not used to coming to church on, on Wednesdays. But if you can give up the next three Wednesdays, I believe you'll, you'll get something from God. Uh, you'll grow in that, and we'll be able to see some things get uh, bound and loosened. I believe there are spiritual strongholds over America, the spiritual strongholds over families, the spiritual strongholds over, over communities. I believe Hickory has different spiritual strongholds that need to be bound so that other ones can be loosened, okay? So we'll, we'll walk through that. And then just in binding and loosening, uh, I'll give you some teaching. Whatever is bound then has to be loosened. The opposite has to be loosened. We talked about 2022 be a year of releasing. So think of that as almost of, of emptying yourself so that you can fill things in. If we bind a spirit of, say, doubt or, or fear, we have to loosen a spirit of faith. And if we get to that point uh, in time today, I'll, I'll cover that a little bit. We're going to tell you, teach you, show you how to get there, where is there, how to be able to bind and loosen. It's a teaching aspect that uh, Matthew, the 18th chapter, shows us. And it's important because many of us grew up in the church world where we were taught you bind that evil spirit in the name of Jesus and then and you can loosen the joy, you can loosen prosperity. And all that is true. All that is a, is a gift from God. But there's a way to get there that if we're not careful, we, we jump right to that that thing, and we're not walking in 
what the scripture teaches us how to do. So my goal today is to teach you how to get there so that when you pray, uh, as Janie spoke, maybe there is a loved one that needs uh, freedom. Maybe there is uh, someone away from God. Maybe there is uh, something that you God's placed on your heart, a business or a transition in your life that you, wanna, you want clarity in, in Christ so there's ways that we can get there in that. And we're going to uh, be in several different passages of the 18th uh, chapter of Matthew. So I'm going to pray first, uh, and then we'll, we'll kind of embark on this journey together. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We pray today that your word would be truth in our lives. Uh, Lord, we know it's already truth. It would be truth to us, so that we would take your word, we would see your word, we would hear your word, we would walk through your word, and Lord, we would understand. So open our hearts, open our minds, open our ears, Lord, to hear, to see, to comprehend, to understand all that you have for us today. In Jesus' name we pray, and the church said, amen. All right, I'm excited about this, uh, this message, and I, I, I like Last week we talked about prayer and prophecy. This week it's prayer and breakthrough. Okay, in a couple of weeks it'll be prayer and community. It's going to be prayer focused because we're praying and fasting, but it's going to be in uh, specific. Today it's going to be breakthrough. If you need a breakthrough, maybe you have a habit, maybe you have a vice, maybe you have something in your person that you just, I'm ready for the Lord to take this on. Uh, then maybe listen to me uh, today and, and, and take some notes and we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. So Matthew, and I'm reading out of the Passion Translation today. Usually I use the English Standard Version. I use Holman's, New King James, King James, NIV. But today I'm going to go out of the Passion Translation. I like the way it words what we want to get to. So Matthew 18, verse 1, 2, and 3. We'll stop at 1 for a second and park there. At that time, the disciples came to ask, Jesus, who is considered to be the greatest in heaven's kingdom realm? Like, who's going to be the greatest? Who, who are you lining up, God, that's going to be great? And I think it's a, it's a, it's a misconception uh, about the disciples once again. They think Jesus is going to set up his kingdom here on earth. Uh, the Sadducees, the, the, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin court, the Roman rule, all the governments, they've beat up uh, this sector of the Israelites, of the Jews for such a long time that they're just ready to get him back. They're ready to say, we know Jesus is Lord. We can't wait for him to set up his kingdom. Now that he's going to do, going to do this, we want to sit on his council. Like we want to be part of his, his table, part of his elite. In fact, James and John do that later on uh, in, in the 20th chapter. It's recorded they came to him privately with their mother. The mother worships at Jesus' feet, and he says, what do you want, daughter? And she says, I want that, that James sits on your right and that John sits on your left. And he says, you don't know what you're talking about. Can they drink from the cup that I'm going to drink of? And she says right away, yes, we can. And they don't realize that they will. But this thing's not about who's the greatest. It's about who's the least. And that's important in church world. It's important in the business world. It's important in your home that you don't make yourself out to be greater than what you are because there's, there's a spirit there's attached to it. We'll talk about it in a second. Verse number two then, he says, Jesus called the little one to his side and said to them, learn this well, unless you dramatically change your way of thinking and become teachable and learn about heaven's kingdom realm with the wide-eyed wonder of a child, you will never be able to enter in. Wow. Now, now listen, he's telling us 
Because this scripture applies to us that we have to be teachable. We have to be, we have to be uh, learned about the kingdom. And then verse number four, which we don't have, says, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So the first clue to be able to bind and loosen is that you have to have humility. You have to be a person that walks in the humble spirit of the Lord, knowing that this isn't about you. It never will be about you or me or us. It's always about Jesus. It's always about the fact that Christ came so that we could have life and that we could have it more abundantly, in, in abundance. But he calls out the little child. He says, here, this little child, if you look at that term, little child, it's talitha, T-A-L-I-T-H-A, talitha. Okay, it's a, it's a, it's a um, Greek word that means wounded lamb. So what does that mean? Well, back in March, I taught on the, sh- the good shepherd who would, take, uh, who would go out and, and tend to their flock. And, and, and if one would wander away, and maybe one would get hurt in a ditch, and they'd have to pull that sheep out of a ditch, or maybe uh, one would get wounded, or maybe he would even wound one so that it wouldn't run away, that shepherd would put the sheep on its neck and carry the sheep to the next pasture. And after he, when he got to the pasture, he would put the sheep down, and he would allow the sheep to lean on him. And if any of you have been in church for a long time, the old hymnal page 251 was Leaning on Jesus, one of my wife's favorite songs. She would lead that back in the day. I'm leaning on Jesus. I'm safe and secure from all alarm. I'm leaning on the everlasting arms. I'm leaning on Jesus and, and this wounded sheep. Jesus is saying this wounded lamb. In fact, that's the actual terminology that he would have used, not little children, but wounded lamb. That if we don't become like a little wounded lamb, that we lean on Jesus, we're not going to make it to heaven. See, some of us, we want to handle the situation ourselves. I don't, I don't need you right now, God. I'll, I'm, I'm going to get it. I'm, I'll figure it out. We'll be all right. It's going to work. And Jesus says, no, unless you become like a wounded lamb, you're not never going to make king. You're not going to make the kingdom. In fact, Jesus goes on to say, because he loves this terminology so much that if you even do something against the wounded lamb, that little child. And we're not talking about uh, my little granddaughter who's five years old, soon going to be six, so proud of her upcoming birthday party. She's excited about it. And Janie and I were talking on the way over here from the first campus that she just loves the party. She don't care if it's her party or somebody else. She just loves the party. That girl just, if there's a party, she wants to be there. Or my growing grandsons right here, stand up, guys. They, they got to see you. Come on. You're, you're not always up. Look at the size of these guys. Man alive. They, hard, to, hard to believe they're in fourth and fifth grade. <laughs> they're not. They're not. <laughs> Sixth and ninth grade, but man alive. And a and, uh, uh, shout out to Ellen Annis for all that she's done. Uh, you're forever indebted to us. We appreciate you. Um, <laughs> Brady is now attending the right classes. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, love, I love our grandchildren, but this is not what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about children and grandchildren. He's talking about us being like children, being like wounded lambs who are dare to lean on the everlasting arms of Jesus because even though we're bold and proud and we can do it and I don't need help, we need a Savior. His name is Jesus Christ the Lord. 
we need to walk in that realm of his salvation. Not only that, I think Jesus here is teaching the church because he says, don't mess with those wounded lamb because if you do, it's better that you tie a millstone around your neck and get thrown into the sea. He says it three times in this 18th chapter. It's iconic. Go home this week and read the 18th chapter of Matthew. It's, it's a great chapter on just the history of how we need to act with each other, what we need to do, how do we need to take care of a problem that now, church, because we're leaning on Jesus and because we're walking in a spirit of humility, we need to allow other people to lean on us. We need to be that entity that the world needs, that the world is looking for, that we're not judging people, we're accepting people, knowing that if they allow them to lean on us, they will get better, they will become whole, they will be healed. Restoration is in their path. It's the body of Christ. And when the body of Christ decides it's going to judge people before it humbly serves people, we have the wrong idea of who Jesus is. We're looking at our place at the table versus looking at our place of servanthood. And there's a spirit of humility that needs to be dropped in all churches around the world so that we're not judging the outsider before they come in, but we're working with the outsider to become an insider so that they can become all that God wants them to be. And this is what he says, unless... This is Jesus speaking, red letter edition. Unless you become like this wounded lamb, you're never going to see the inside of heaven. Wow. It sounds like a charge to me, doesn't it, you? It sounds like you need to operate in a spirit of humility. This is what Jesus left all of kingdom, all of glory, and came to an earth as a baby in a manger. We just celebrated Christmas. And he came in this fashion so that he could understand what, the, what it was like, so that he could be humble in his nature, that he could prove that God is in charge. So the first thing is we need to operate in the spirit of humility. Let's go to verse number 11 out of Matthew, the 18th chapter. Now, in some uh, texts, if you have your Bible here and you're not looking at the words, and you might have a different translation, verse 11 is not even in there. It's not in the English Standard Version. It's not in other versions. But the verse 11 says, the Son of Man has come to give life to anyone who is lost. The reason... The writers put it in the passage translation is because it's from Luke 19 and 10. Jesus came to seek and save those who are lost. It's the same story. They're not adding to the text. Some choose to move because Matthew uh, omits it from verse 10 to 12, but the writers put it in as verse 11 to say, here's what he's talking about. And he's talking about this in this vein that if you are looking at those people that are wounded lambs with the idea of let's lead them to Jesus Christ, then the number two is all authority is given to you. You become, uh, you become authority of heaven. So now as an authority of heaven, someone who walks in the authority of heaven, Jesus actually said to his disciples, whoever sins you remit, they'll be remitted. Whoever sins you hang on to, they'll hang on to. Now, this is a, this is a, this is a, 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 a careful text in some denominations. We don't have the power to remit sins, but we do have the power of forgiveness. 
We do have the power of healing by uh, asking for forgiveness and for giving forgiveness. And so Jesus sent out in Luke, the 10th chapter, and in Matthew, the 10th chapter, he sent out 72 by 2. In fact, one translation says 72 2 by 2. Another one says 72 by 2. But he gave them power. He gave them authority to cast out demons, to bind spirits, to raise the dead, to heal the sick, to convert those to uh, be God followers through Christ. Christ Jesus. So he gave them a power and authority. And in fact, the Bible says in Luke that when they came back, they were so excited that uh, they said, hey, even the demons are subject to you, to us in your name, Jesus. And I would say this, that be careful because not everybody who cast out a spirit even loves God. Because Jesus said in Matthew 24 and 25 that those will come to him and he'll say, I knew you not. And they will say, but we cast out demons in your name. See, some people love the authority. They don't love the creator. They love the position. They don't love the servanthood. They love the person that they've become, but they forgot who created them. And when we walk in authority, and Jesus says, listen, don't, don't, he, he, he begins to humble them again. Don't be so glad that that, that that demonic spirit is is glad that you cast that you were able to cast that person out and free that person up. Be glad that your name is written down in the, in the Lamb's Book of Life. Be glad that you're making heaven your home. And we become careful if you're not if we're not careful, we become uh, satisfied with the ministry and forget who we're ministering to. And so there's a heaven's authority has been granted to you. So first, if we humble ourselves, that's the first, that's the first issue, that's the first clue. I've got to walk humbly before the Lord. And then I have to receive heaven's authority. When we receive heaven's authority, we get the keys then. That's number three. We get the keys to the kingdom. Matthew. Uh, 16 and 19, Jesus talks about binding and loosing, and then he talks about giving keys to the kingdom. And I'm going to give you uh, what I would see as four keys to the kingdom uh, today. There may be others. I'm not going to say this is an inclusive list. But the first key would be, I talked about already, would be forgiveness. We have to learn how to operate in forgiveness. Let's see, if we, if we have keys to the kingdom, but we don't use them every now and then, uh, have you ever lost a set of keys? Have you, have you misplaced them? Or, or some of you ladies might have a very big bag. It's like they fall to the bottom or something. It's like, where, where did those keys go? Mark, do you have my keys? No, I don't have your keys. Check your purse. No, no, they're not in there. Did you find your keys? Yeah, I found them. Where are they? I'm not, never mind. It's, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. I, I found them. That's all that matters. God has given us keys to the kingdom, and sometimes the church misplaces them because it's not walking into the humility and the authority that God's given them. But here's some keys. Forgiveness is, is the one. It's the main one. If we can't walk in forgiveness, how does forgiveness work? I have to forgive myself sometimes. Maybe I did something and I just can't forgive. It's unforgivable. I just can't forgive myself. Yes, you have to forgive yourself. Jesus already has. 
You have to forgive others. Why? Because at the end of this chapter, he talks about the, the, the rich man who was forgiven of much, and then he goes and he can't forgive the other person for a little bit, and, and like he cost himself a life in jail. And Jesus used this metaphor to say, if God has forgiven you of all of your sins, you need to quickly forgive others for theirs. If someone has wronged you, church, you need to forgive them. It may be hard. It may be difficult, but John says that your love will cover a multitude of their sins. What is that? If I forgive somebody, if you forgive somebody, then the love of Jesus Christ ushers in, and it becomes just a beautiful situation. We need to walk in forgiveness. Number two, we need to walk in restoration. We need to look at restoring each other. Restoration is not judgment. Restoration is not condemnation. Restoration is looking at someone, working with someone, and saying, let's restore each other. We have a beat-up, I call it a beat-up. We bought it at a vintage place. Whenever they call it vintage or antique, it's more expensive than a garage sale or second-hand store. So we bought a vintage little dresser. It's really cute, and it's kind of beat up, but it's distressed. Now now they're not beat up anymore. They're distressed, Jamie. You, you know what I'm saying? It's not vintage. Yeah, okay. So it's not vintage, or it's not, it's not second-hand. It's vintage. It's not beat up. It's distressed. And they charge more for those things. And we, we, we bought one for our house, and my, my father-in-law uh, came over, and uh, it was just a beautiful situation. And he said, now, Mark, if you'd paint that thing, that would just look beautiful. Well, that would also lower the value of what I just paid for, it, this, this vintage piece. And, and I think what, we're, what we need to understand that restoration takes a long time, and sometimes people are never restored on the outside the way we want them to be. God's restoring them from the inside out. Like we want that person cleaned up, fixed up, and ready to go in five minutes, and God says this might take five or ten years. This might take a lifetime of that person being restored, but church, would you, and this is the Lord asking, church, would you allow people to be restored on their time frame? Would you allow restoration to take place? Number three, truth. What's another key? Truth is. Grace opens the door so truth can be taught, but truth needs to be taught, and people need to stop running from the truth. If the Bible says this and don't do this, then don't do this. Do what the Bible says. We're a word church. So if we're going to talk about blessings, we also have to talk about what, what goes on if you disobey, right? So there's obedience and there's disobedience. So we know that we come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ just by calling out his name. Now I have to be open and trusting a, a truthful God to operate the way he wants me to, not the way I want to. And the last but not least is prayer and fasting. This is what we're doing this month for the next 18 days. Some people started on the first. They may go all month long. So for the next 30 days or 31 days, we're praying and fasting. That's keys to the kingdom. Why? Because Jesus said to the disciples who wanted to cast out a spirit of a young man, how can we couldn't do that, Lord? And he said, because some things don't come out without prayer and fasting. Uh, our daughter-in-law, Emily, who's sick today, we're praying for her. She said uh, earlier this week that when the young man died on the football field, every one of those young men who were all around that table, around that, on that field, they automatically remembered that Sunday school lesson where they learned how to pray to God. 
They learned that, and the nation came together to pray for this young man. It's amazing what God will do when people decide they're going to pray back to him. Now, my wife said this the other day, and I agree with 100%. It's not the prayer that healed this man. It's God who healed this man. It's who the people pray to, and we need to make sure that we're praying, giving the right thanks to, to the right God. You can pray to anybody you want. You can pray to a tree. That person's not going to heal. But when you pray the right way to the right God, that's how this man got healed. And thank God that he did get healed. Thank God that that took place. And so I'm thankful for prayer, but I'm more thankful for, for God. The keys then to the kingdom. Now let's go to Matthew, the 18th chapter. Let's read 15 through 20. This is the crux of it. We'll close it up. If you Fellow believers sin, if your fellow believer sins against you, you must go to that one privately and attempt to resolve the matter. Okay, stop there for a second. You must not go talk to three other people about the matter if someone isn't the one that offended you or hurt you. This is commonplace within the church. Well, you hear brother so-and-so, yeah, he did this for me, and I, you know, I'm, not, I'm mad at him. Go tell brother so-and-so. Can I get an amen? See, I'm stepping on toes already. I know that. The church likes to gossip. Can we stop that? Can we commit to stopping, to not gossiping about one another? But go, if you have an issue, and let's just let me, use me as an example. If you have an issue with me, email me at Marcus, dot, Marcus at gracechurch.tv. <laughs> if that doesn't work, then email Emily at gracechurch.tv. They feel that's, that would be even worse because she might go Burke County on you. We have to be able to talk to each other is what Jesus is saying. Listen, if you got to go privately. If he responds, your relationship is stored. This is a good thing. Number 16, he says, but if his heart is close to you, then go to him again, taking one or two others with you. You'll be fulfilling what the scripture teaches when it says, every word may be verified by the testimony of two or three witnesses. In other words, you went to this person. All right, I'm going to do the biblical thing. I'm going to go to this person. I'm going to say, hey, you know, do we have a problem here? Is there issues? Can we meet for coffee or whatever? Yeah, yeah, we're good. No problem. Yeah. Or, yeah, you kind of you offended me or you hurt me. Oh, man, I'm so sorry. Can we get through this? Yeah, man, we're better. All right, let's hug. Okay. But if that person says, no, Oh, man, you're a dirty, rotten rat, and I'm not going to, and then I have to go then with maybe an elder or with my wife or maybe a couple uh, team members and say, hey, w- can we go talk to this person? They, they weren't really open to me talking to them the first time. Yeah, let's go. So then we go to that person, and we talk, and then they say, hey, uh, you know, this, like, I, I, man, I repent. I'm sorry if I said something that hurt you or whatever you did, and I'm, I'm not taking it. So then verse 17 says this, and if he refuses to listen that time, then share the issue with the entire church in hopes of what restoration if he still refuses to respond disregarding the fellowship of his church family you must disregard him as though he were an outsider on the same level as an unrepentant sinner you don't want me calling your name out on a sunday morning now thankfully grace church is full of wonderful people and we've never had to do that But Jesus is serious here, church. And why is he serious? Because of what he's getting ready to say and the reason he's getting ready. Listen, remember, humility, authority, and keys. These are the the foundation of of what we're getting ready to get into in just a moment. This is the foundation. Humility says, man, if I've wronged you, I I need to tell you. I need to tell you. 
All right? And then if, if, you're, if you're humble, you need to accept that forgiveness or offer forgiveness. If, if we're not, then that person brings a couple people back and, and it's like, hey, here's, here's the error of your way. Nope, nope, I'm holding on to this one. I'm going to be mad. I'm going to be angry. I'm going to be offended. And then, the, you know, the poor pastor has got to stand up and say, hey, dear brother so-and-so, we got an issue with you. We're going to take regard. we got to treat you like a sinner. Jesus' words, not mine. Pastor, that's hardcore. I thought we took everybody just the way they are. We are, but there's a sense of dis- church discipline here that if we don't walk through, then the next thing cannot happen. And the next thing is verse 18, 19, 20. Receive this truth, Jesus says. Whatever you forbid on earth will be considered to be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you release on earth will be considered to be released in heaven. King James says whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loosen on earth will be loosened in heaven. Verse 19 says again. I give you this eternal truth. If you, if two of you agree to ask God for something in a symphony of prayer, my heavenly Father will do it for you. For whatever, wherever two or three come together in honor of my name, I am right there with them. Now listen, we're getting to the point of binding and loosening, but we're going to go about it the right way. What's the right way? I have to walk humbly before God. And I have to walk in all humility, asking people for forgiveness or offering forgiveness if somebody has wronged me or somebody's wronged you, right? In other words, if somebody's written a bad email about you, if somebody's said something bad on Facebook about you, if somebody, uh, you know, throws up an Instagram and all of a sudden, you know, they don't like you, the next time you see them at the store, you just got to wrap your loving arms around the bottom and say, man, how you been? And act like you never read it. Nobody says amen. (laughs) It's true, isn't it? We have to walk in forgiveness. We have to walk in love. That part there is our fourth word is unity. And this is, this. let me break it down for you really quickly. So he says, in this translation, it says symphony of prayer. It's the root word symphonio, S-U-M-P-H-O-N-E-O. Out of the Aramaic, it says, if you are deserving of what you pray for. Why does he say that? Why, does, why is that the translation, if you are deserving? Because if I'm not praying with humility, if I'm not praying with heaven's authority, if I'm not, if not praying with forgiveness, if I'm not using the keys of restoration for people, then there's no way I can be united. David writes in Psalm 133 where there is unity. God commands his blessing, even life, evermore. In fact, he starts out that psalm by saying how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. There's a love there. So there's a symphony of prayer. And so let's break it down. If Janie and I are on the same page, if we're at the house like we do every morning and we're reading our our scripture of the day, we're praying for our church, we're having a cup of coffee, and and we're we're on the same page, God's blessings are going to be all over us. He's going to come in and he's going to have coffee with us. But if we're divided, if there's an issue there, well, uh, she wants to do this or I want to do that, maybe it's a big issue. She wants to buy this or I'm saying, no, I want to, I'd rather buy this or wants to go this route and I want to go this route. And all of a sudden, let's put it to prayer. And she's praying and she's praying a heartfelt prayer, but I'm saying, I ain't going to pray. I know what I want. I don't need God to intervene on this. There's no way God's hand will be upon that. 
There's no way God's blessing will be. Now, bring it into the church. We have a, a church with multiple hundreds of people and different campuses. And now someone comes in and says, man, I just hate that dirty rascal over there. And you want a miracle to take place in our church? And you can't stand someone sitting right over here? There's no way God's going to move in that realm because the symphony means harmony. The harmony means unity. It means togetherness. I don't know if you've ever gone to a symphony. I don't know if this qualifies. I saw the Nutcracker one time where Janie wanted to teach us culture in the house. She mistakenly took me, Marcus, and Andrew, thinking we cared. The best nap of my life. I ain't kidding you. I'm never going again. I don't know if the boys are. Maybe they got more out of it than I did. When we, at, when we left, it wasn't a topic of conversation. Like, where are we going to eat? But the symphony, the orchestra, the timing of the dancing, and I'm a little older now than I was back then. And, and, and it just was beautiful. It was well done. It was, it was, it was, uh, it was the, at the Orpheum in Omaha. And it, was, it was a Broadway play. It was incredibly done. And I didn't understand at the time. When we are together as one, when we walk together on this earth as one, when we walk in unity, it's like a symphony of prayer before the Heavenly Father. When you and your family are together, when you and your family you're walking things out and you're saying, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna get this, through this thing together. We're gonna, we're gonna walk in love together. We're gonna, we're gonna pray for this loved one. We're gonna pray for this situation. We're gonna pray for this, this whatever this, this deal is. When, we, when we're together, the, the Bible says one can chase a thousand. Two can chase 10,000, and a threefold cord is not easily broken. Now listen to me. When we walk together through a situation, it's like a symphony of prayer to God. Now, you can do it in your family, and that's powerful. But if you come to church and you start, you're knocking, you know, the worship. You're knocking the pastor. You're knocking uh, uh, the parking lot attendant. You're knocking, you're knocking something on oh, that, that, that nursery person. Man, they just don't know what they're doing. And all of a sudden, it starts to bring things down. If one church starts to knock another church, it brings things down in the kingdom. We don't have to understand everything that goes on. We just have to know that for us to be able to bind and loosen, there's these steps. I first have to walk humbly. Then I have to accept God's authority. Then I have to know the keys of the kingdom. Number one is forgiveness. And then I have to understand that I have to walk in unity, that there's a, there's a symphony of what's taking place. Quickly, be really quickly. Say, for instance, if you bind hatred, you have to loosen love. If you bind sickness, you need to loosen healing. If you bind, you know, lying and cheating and, and stealing, then you need to loosen truth and honesty. Whatever you bind, you have to loosen the opposite thing. If you're binding something in your life that you don't want to do or you don't want to go through, if you're forbidding something, and this is probably going to be more of spiritual attachment, things that like, man, why do I do that? Why, why do we get so angry? I'm going to bind anger, but I'm going to loosen peace. And if I start to do those things in my life, I still first have to do the humility, the authority, 
takes me to the symphony of prayer, but I have to make sure that I'm in, in line with the others. Stand with me this morning. Marcus and Charity are going to come up here. They have a, a basket of fasting cards, okay, and a prayer book. And the prayer book is, we're asking one per family, okay? So uh, come up and get a fast. In just a moment, come and get a fasting card. And then get a, a prayer, 21 days of overcoming stronghold. So start tomorrow and, and just read it over the next 21 days. Read. I would suggest read one a day, meditate on what it says, maybe do what it says, pray and do what it says, and then go from there. Here's what I'd like you to do, though. Once you come up, if you want to come with your whole family, great. If you want to come just one family member, that's fine too. But once you come up, I would love for you to stand up here as close as you could, all right? So uh, even if you go back through the aisle, once you get it, kind of stand up here, crowd in if you can, because then we want to pray. We've got got some prayer that we want to pray over you and with you and some things we want to do at the end that will help start this process of a symphony of prayer before the Lord. So let me pray for you right now and then come up here grab your thing and then just stay close if you're in the first couple rows of seats you can stand at your seat if you want but the other ones as you come forward please just crowd the front let's let's make a a large crowd of of what we would call a symphony of prayer so when we pray when we're over with we start to actually do what the bible is telling us to father we thank you so much you're such an awesome god Thank you, Lord, for uh, humility within the body of Christ. Thank you for the authority you've given the body of Christ. And, Lord, obviously the keys that you've given us, Lord. But right now we're concentrating on a symphony, unity, harmony together, one with another. We can walk as one, Father, Lord. That, that's when you hear, we hear the binding and the loosening. And that's when they totally come to fruition, Father. We love you and bless you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you come, stay, please, and grab a book and grab a, and then we'll, we'll sing this song.
of the life that shines above. Become the light that shines in us. There's no darkness in your way, so have your way. Lord, have someone like you're love or you're comfortable with, all right? And so what I want you to do is just to turn to the people around you, maybe if you're a family or spouse or, or kids, I want, you, I want you to say, is there anything I can pray with you about? Or, hey man, would you forgive me? I, I really dropped the ball. Or, man, I want to lift you up right now. And if we provide a symphony of prayer for each other, it starts to step us in the right direction of realizing that in 2023, we have the power and the authority to break spirits within people. Uh, and it's got to touch home first. So what I'd love for you to do over the next couple of minutes when they sing this through one more time, is just turn to your family or loved ones or friends, or if you're here by yourself, just maybe find someone. Say, hey, is there anything I can pray with you with? And let's pray for one another during the next couple of minutes because that is, that is the heaven's authority that we've been granted today. Can we do that? Let's turn and pray with somebody. Come on.
done what your word said. We've, we've brought, Lord, we're asking in humility, and we're asking, Lord, through the authority of your name, Jesus. And Lord, you've given us the keys, and one of the, so many of the keys, but one of them is forgiveness. So Lord, if we have any ought against anybody, Lord, I ask right now that you reveal that. And Lord, I just ask that you would help us to forgive and walk in love as you love the church you died for us so i pray that lord today that we would walk in total unity and lord everything that you have set before us lord even as the word we've done the the things that the the word says this pastor has said we've went to the brother went to the sister and lord if we've done that lord then we can know that we are walking in unity with you and that, Lord, we just, we pray for them and we bless them that don't want to walk in that forgiveness. We, we just pray for them as well. But, Lord, we just know that you are working all things on our needs and our behalf because we are desperate for more of you. And we long to see your spirit and unity because we know where there's unity, the blessing comes. So, Lord, even if it's a new season in somebody's life, Lord, they're just walking into a new season and they've said goodbye to the past or an old situation. Lord, we just want to bless them today as they're coming into a new situation, a new season in their life. Lord, that they walk into that the right way because we know how we leave one season and how we come into a new season. Lord, we want to walk into it correctly. So, Lord, we thank you for that amazing word today. We want to come into our new season that we have a clean state. We have clean hands and a pure heart, and we're walking into our new season with you this year. So we bless you, and we thank you, and we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. We love y'all so much. We'll see you Wednesday night, 6.30 downtown. Wednesday, 6.30 downtown. Be blessed. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.